This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show. All right, side of the net, it bounces off Grundstrom and in. Carl Grundstrom didn't even get a touch on that one as it bounced off his skate and passed Demko, and the Kings take a 2-1 lead. Passes right circle for Elias Pettersson. The time shoots, he scores! Elias Pettersson off the post and in, scores on the power play, and the Canucks tie the game at two. With the instant reaction from the players and coaches. Ten shootout goals on 28 attempts in his career, and he cuts wide to the left wing, his patented move into the Kings zone. Miller back into the slot, waits, deeks to the backhand, he scores, and the Canucks win! On the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Canucks win in a shootout. Believe it or not, against the run and play, a 3-2 victory over the Kings on the road. And this is the Canucks Central postgame show on Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. Keep your thoughts coming into our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. You can also grab a phone line, 604-280-0650. You're toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. And it was one of those games. We'll bring in Dan Riccio into the conversation in just a moment's time, Bick. But really... Thatcher Demko stole the two points. Elias Pettersson, well, you can say he was an accomplice. Maybe JT Miller and also Quinn Hughes late in the game. But that's kind of the story of this one. Thatcher Demko closed the door. The Canucks were very, very opportunistic and winning a shootout. Yeah. And, you know, the, this whole game kind of lacked urgency. And the Kings didn't really push the tempo that much. Canucks were able to get the puck out of the zone. Mm-hmm. They didn't try to do much with it. And the Kings, you know, that stretch in the second was really their best stretch for a first. For a game where we're looking at the overall shot count being 40 to 17, it was really just the second period and the last 12 minutes of that second period where the Kings looked overwhelming. Aside from that, it was a lot of volume, but not a ton of. You know, chance after chance after chance after chance where Demko was, you know, flying all over the place, turning everything aside. Uh, honestly, kind of a underwhelming performance by the Kings and certainly an underwhelming, unurgent performance by the Canucks, but they're the ones that walk out with two points. They certainly do. Take advantage and win this one in a shootout. Let's bring in Dan Reachel into the conversation. And Reach, I mean, you know, we talk a lot about the process, structure, so to speak. But really, this game came down to Thatcher Demko, some opportunistic goals. But what did you think of how the Canucks played this evening? Yeah, I think Bick is uh, is, is on the right track there. A lot of the night, um, the Canucks did a good job of keeping things to the outside, keeping it to the perimeter for the LA Kings. They still had their five alarm bell opportunities. I mean, you're going to when you have 40 attempts at the net, but the Canucks did a good job. And I think one of the things that maybe is a sign of progress, maybe not, maybe I'm feeling glass half full after the Canucks somehow came back to win this one, but they didn't start to cheat. You know, they didn't start to force things to try and make something happen as the game went on. And we've heard Rick Tockett mention that a bunch of times. We've heard some of the players talk about that. If they don't get that power play opportunity, do they ever tie the game? I'm not sure, but I'm not sure the Canucks really, you know, tried to cheat too much in order to make something happen, especially in the first uh, little while of this game, first two periods even. They did fall apart quite a bit, though, and, and late in the second and the third. I mean, there were quite a few odd man chances going the other way. Like, it wasn't like it was completely clean for That's 60 fair. minutes. Yeah. 
No, but no, I, and, the, the thing I would say, guys, is like here's the difference when when you have an identity. And, and look, you, we're just talking about the last thirty games of the season here. I, I don't think this will be their full time identity or anything like that. But when you have something that you can rely upon, you can live in that environment for stretches until you start finding your game again. And tonight, like again, that they they lacked urgency, but. I like the idea that they didn't try to force anything. So there's positives even in their lack of overall production. They didn't try to just change their game all of a sudden and said, hey, we have to go score the next goal. They waited, they waited, they waited. They kept being frustrating. And, yeah, there was you know th- there were odd man chances, obviously. Uh, but that's going to happen with this defense right now. But you look at the, the big two-on-one chance that the Kings had. Like Kopitar delays his decision and tries to make something extra out of it. And, and that's... I don't know if that's part of the goalie getting the head on it, but you know, Kopitar doesn't take that chance. Maybe the game plays out differently, but for the most part, they stuck to who they are for as long as they could, and and they got the reward in it on the power play. You try to find yourself, and and you know, I guess the the first period is is maybe uh, the better example of it because you're right, Sat. You know, the second period did start to see LA really um, impose themselves on the game, but you know, they don't have a shot essentially for the first half of the first period, but you know, they start to stack a couple of shifts together and play well. And we saw that happen towards the end of the third period as well. You know, the, the JT line was, was pretty solid for most of the night. You know, maybe outside of that shift where they give up the breakaway to Adrian Kempe, I thought JT in the overall was the Canucks best skater tonight. And after that, you didn't have much. But in the third period, we started to see Pedersen, Kuzmenko, and Beauvillier wake up a little bit once the game was tied at two apiece. It wasn't pretty. It's no Picasso. But there were elements that uh, I think you can appreciate from the Canucks game tonight. From a team perspective, I can see it. I'm more skeptical than you guys are in terms of the performance tonight. But I will say, like, the one question I, mean, I have... said it lacked urgency. No, I did. No, no, sure, 100%. I said it was underwhelming. They won the game, but I will say this. Like, outside of Demko, who was one individual player who was a standout skater-wise tonight? Was there a player that stood out to you? I mean, Pedersen, of course. I mean, he gets gets the goal, gets get the uh, gets in the shootout as well. I mean, or no, sorry, uh, Kuzmenko and Miller score in the shootout. He doesn't even get to a third shooter for the Canucks uh, in that competition. But... Who would just say JT was really good in the first period? Yeah, I mean beyond that, <laughs> the LA Ethan King Bear to, to catch up. Ethan Bear, four block shots, twenty three and a half minutes. His return standout. I mean, you can say Quinn. Yeah, you know, I mean, he the turned first. the puck over. Yeah. a lot in the first period. Look, it, it wasn't a ton. No, it, it was not a pretty game by any means. Um, you're picking out moments more yeah. than consistent success, right? Besser in the third period, drawing the penalty, um, ends up screening Corpusalo on the Pedersen goal that ties the game. Uh, he scores the goal in the first. I thought, you know, that line as a whole had a lot of success in the first period. But, you know, again, you're, when it's as dominant as the LA Kings were tonight, you're sort of left to pick at moments from yeah. players. Oh, absolutely, right? And if you're looking at what's going to happen tomorrow against his Anaheim Ducks team, this is now two performances back-to-back where the Canucks haven't really played all that well, and I'm curious to hear what Rick Tockett has to say about this one. 
What type of game do we see from Vancouver? Because they didn't play great against Arizona, and Talkin was not pleased, right? They find a way to win. Demko plays hard. You guys mentioned the structure. And hey, you win a hockey game, nobody's going to be mad in terms of uh, the, the coaches. I know fans are not happy, but they're not going to be mad uh, that you found a way to win this game. But what type of response do we see from the team tomorrow? Because it's now a couple of games back-to-back where they haven't had the same level of play that we saw during that five-game winning streak. I'd like to see them be uh, more of the team that we saw during the five-game win streak. And, you know, against a team like Anaheim, you should be able to control most of the night, just like we saw a couple of weeks ago when they uh, beat Anaheim on home ice. It's, It's not a very good team. You should have an easier time breaking the puck out of your own end. You know, part of my, um, I guess, leniency <laughs> on the performance is like, I think the LA Kings are a really good hockey team. And I sort of expected that they would own the shot clock tonight against a Vancouver team that's depleted on the back end and is missing a couple of key forwards through their lineup. They're not at full strength. They're clearly, you know, playing towards the end of the season. But it's tomorrow night against an Anaheim Ducks team, I'm expecting a much more complete performance and I'm expecting them to carry play for a lot of the night. Uh, in general, though, like I, I, mean, I was mentioning Ethan Bear. Uh, look, it, it's tough to just jump back into the lineup as always, but you know we expected him to be the one that takes the Tyler Myers minutes as well. 23 minutes and 46 seconds. Just thoughts on his return to the game? I mean, he... Looked like he didn't miss a beat all that much, and I was surprised to see how much he played. I think he led the team in ice time through the first period. Obviously, Quinn eventually ends up with that mark, but you know, clean in his game for the most part. Um, I think everybody really struggled with the Kings' forecheck, and you see that reflected in some of the numbers. It was there were elements where I, I, I like what Bear does. And there's also elements where you miss a defensive assignment, as we've talked about so often. But his game was fairly clean tonight. And to come back after the injury that he suffered, didn't see much hesitation in his game to defend hard. So those are elements I think you can you can look at and be positive about for Ethan Bear's game tonight. Yeah, and I mean, on the back end, you know, Bick was joking about no Tyler Myers tonight means zero chaos. And then the chaos started ensuing after Bick mentioned that. It was almost <laughs> on cue. He, it was like he was trying to create chaos and the game was too bored. So he wanted to manufacture some on social media. But... I'd say what you're seeing in a game like this, right? And we can talk about the structure and everything. They don't have a lot of players who can eat minutes, right? Like, no. you know, as much as Cal Burroughs, he had a bit of a tough night and Will Landon showed well. You see when these guys are asked to do more and now we're seeing more and bigger and bigger sample as games go on for these guys playing elevated minutes and, and playing NHL minutes. And it, it's kind of getting tougher and tougher. I think part of the reason we're seeing this fall off is the Canucks have a lot of AHL guys in this lineup right now. A lot of young guys who maybe aren't quite ready for what they're doing even at this stage. I mean, half the roster is probably not an NHL roster in terms of you trying to be a contender next season. I think we all kind of agree with that. That might be catching up with them slightly here as the games go on. Yeah, for sure. Uh, of the defensemen, um, you know, Willannon, Burroughs, and uh, Juleson, and even Breezebois, it I really think Juleson was the one that acquitted himself best again tonight. And I know we were wondering who might, um, you know, come out of the lineup for Ethan Bear as he returned. At the time, we didn't know it was going to be Tyler Myers out with, uh, I know, as you mentioned, Sad, a suspected maybe illness, but... 
Noah Juleson continues to play well, and there was moments where I liked how he continued to impose a bit of a physical presence on the back end for the Vancouver Canucks. A couple of big hits and big collisions with Carl Grundstrom, a couple of good pinches as well at different points. Uh, Noah Juleson playing next to Quinn Hughes, so you know it's sort of a big assignment, but I continue to like what I see from this player. Uh, Reach, great stuff calling the game alongside Batch, and I look forward to having you back in the saddle for pregame tomorrow. Yeah, we'll see you boys tomorrow. No, you got it. That is Dan Riccio calling the game alongside Brandon Bachelor tonight. Canucks win in a shootout 3-2 over the Kings at Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. Keep your thoughts coming in to our Dunbar Lumber text inbox 650-650. You can also grab a phone line 604-280-0650 or toll-free 1-888-275-0650. Now, before we go to the phone boards here, Bick, uh, what's popping on the Dunbar Lumber text inbox? Oh boy, 650-650 into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Uh, This one, uh, can we all say it together? Demko, as much as talking has made a difference, in my opinion, and I think he's a great coach, Thatcher Demko is the real deal. That one is from Torgi, and this one uh, from Matt in Toronto. That looked like a chess match between two people who had never played chess prior to tonight. <laughs> that's a great text. <laughs> Jokes for 60. Honestly, coming in. <laughs> that's probably the best description of this. <laughs> that's really good. It was, it was slow. Yes. It, I, I'm not even sure if methodical was the right word because it, it felt like, you know, LA obviously was the better team tonight. There's no dispute of that. Mm-hmm. And and still, I, I didn't feel like L.A. was really pushing the tempo as much as they could. Nice flurry at the start of the third period, obviously, and Demko makes a save at the left post. But realistically, like, did it feel like L.A. ever deserved a third goal? No. I mean, you know what? I wouldn't say deserved a third goal. They were more deserving than Vancouver to have multiple goals. Let me put it that way. They were they were deserving to get multiple goals. The Canucks were. Deserving they were the better team. Goal. They they deserved to get two points. Yeah, but did, at any point did you feel like LA was running away with this game? No, it wasn't. It wasn't onslaught after onslaught. It was. It was. It was. You know what? It was. It was kind of methodical. It was kind of you know gradual over time. These chances kind of developed, and there were a number of chances in that second period. I mean, what? There were two breakaway opportunities, a penalty shot. The second period was the, like their chance, but again, they didn't put it away. They had that chances. was at one one. Well, that's where Demko stood on it. I mean, to me, is where Demko's a difference there, right? Like he makes a bunch of big stops on on the odd man chances, the breakaway chance. They're trying to get too fine with their shots, and Demko kind of gets. I mean, you turn but, to me at one point and said, "Is Demko getting in their heads?" I mean, there's a time he was down and out, and he's outside, and the, and the Kings didn't know what to do. It's like you make one pass, that's going to be a goal. Instead, the guy shoots it right into his path. But in a game where they took 40 shots on goal, and then they had a total of 77 shot attempts, if I'm doing my math correctly here. 77 shot attempts. We're talking about a 10-minute stretch, 12-minute stretch in the second period, where it was like, that was their chance. Not 60 minutes. We're talking about a 12-minute stretch in the third. That's really about it from the LA Kings. So... uh, if I'm judging both teams on the performance tonight, it's like a five, six out of ten by the Kings, and probably like a four out of ten by the Canucks. Oh, I think that's too close. <laughs> I think that's sure, too okay, close. but three I, out of ten for the Canucks. Yeah, I'd say like maybe four for them, maybe a six, seven, maybe for LA, six and a half. I mean, I thought LA they play that game most of the time. They probably win, right? right. Like they probably win that I game. I already called most them deserve winners, no, but yeah. were they good at it? Yeah. like seven out of ten is pretty. Yeah, it's okay. It's all right. That's my math score. I was yeah. I was pretty good in high school at seven out of ten. <laughs> 
<laughs> we'll take the B minus. Why not? 70% yeah. hit it. Uh, a lot of reaction on the text inbox 65650. Just in the coots. This process and structure sure looks a lot like it has under the previous coaches. Demko steals meaningless games. They rack up enough points to be counterproductive and get a mediocre pick. Uh, so they don't work hard during the summer because they think they have it figured out. Sure, the metrics might be better, but not enough to make up for the eye test that's just in the coots. And I mean, no, no doubt that the last few games, it has changed. Like they haven't played as well. Process-wise, we saw it even against uh, the um, uh, Arizona Coyotes. And even before this uh, winning streak kind of came to an end, they were showing some signs of, hey, getting away with it for a couple games, even against Dallas a little bit, and even at times against Ottawa early on where it rings off the goalpost. Demko makes a few big saves and everything. But I would say we are seeing things that are different than what we saw last year. But to Just's point... None of that will really matter unless you put in the work in the offseason and we come back to next season, like we said so many different times, and these things have sunk in. Because otherwise, it is very much meaningless. Yeah, and, and a lot of that isn't going to get confirmed until uh, next year. And and look, if we're, if we're relying on the eye test and all that, and, and look, that's, I'm, I'm pro the eye test and everything like that, um, I'd also compare the defenses Right, like last year, end of season, it was essentially Hughes, Ekman, Larson, Dermot, Myers, and Luke Shen. Yeah, all in the lineup. Okay, there was a Brad Hunt game in there, probably I'm sure, but by and large, like you had those five guys. Tonight it was Quinn Hughes, Burroughs, Juleson, Ethan Bear, Will Lannon, and Breezeball. So you have to consider that as part of the equation as well. Their number two defenseman was a player who was not getting into the Carolina Hurricanes lineup for the first 10 games, 12 games of the season. And, and it was his first game back as well from, from injury. very... And he's actually done well since being acquired. Severe he's, injury, yeah. Yeah, and he's done well and everything. But the point being, like, you could make the case that the Canucks don't have a single defenseman outside of Quinn Hughes who would play every day for a contender. And I, they didn't get hemmed in, but their main option to get the puck out of the zone was... By any means necessary. And that's why, like, if you can play structured hockey with better players and personnel, could you look better? Can you be more productive? And that's some, one of the things we want to see. And, and I know a big question now is, what's the status of, status of uh, Philip Perona? Because I think, I think we all want to mm-hmm. see him and see what he looks like when he gets into the lineup. That still seems to be a bit away. Maybe when the Canucks come back from this road trip, we get a bit, bit of a clearer indication of where that's all headed. But like we mentioned before, Oliver Ekman-Larsen is going to come back at some point in time this season. And ultimately... The blue line you're seeing, as much as these guys have acquitted themselves well and worked hard, and we say a lot of positives, these are this is not an NHL blue line. People even said it's not an NHL blue line when the Canucks have all their guys healthy in terms of being a competitive NHL blue line. And it, it kind of is what it is. It's remarkable how well Thatcher Demko's played between the pipes, however. Uh, keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox, 650-650, uh, like this one here from William and Langley. Not the most stellar performance from this team overall. I w- it was a boring bubble type of game where Demko ends up stealing two points. Even Kuzmenko was boring to watch tonight. What, what was the deal with Myers? I hate to say it, but I missed our beloved chaos giraffe. That's William and Langley. We'll get official word, but uh, what we kind of heard was he wasn't feeling well, and that's why he didn't play in this game, Vic. Yeah, and uh, Ethan Bear was the one who took the lion's share of those minutes uh, in his absence. Uh, 650-650, keep coming in with the text message. William uh, and Langley, right, you just read that one. Uh, Also, (laughs) 
uh, a, a lot of frustrated texts coming in. It's like it's the same thing yeah. all over again, winning late in the season. Uh, unsigned text here. I know Bester scored, but performance was pitiful. Doesn't skate, stands around, just his overall performance. Lackluster and slow. Yeah, uh, a bit of everything in the text inbox. All right, we'll get to more of your text messages. We are going to hear from Canucks players and the coach post game as soon as that becomes available to you. 604 280 0650 or toll free 1-888-275-0650. Let's go to Maple Ridge where our friend Gary is on the line. Gary, thanks for calling in. Uh, what do you have for us tonight? I can't believe I'm the first caller. Yeah, you got that. in early today, man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna be on the positive side for a change. Okay. Now we happen to have Demko, forty shots on goal, and he looked like he was pretty doggone good. Now uh, I'm not sure if you're uh, if you're if you've ever if you saw the game between uh, uh, Boston Hat and their goaltender had fifty six shots on goal, and I think one went in. Well, that's what Demko does. Now second thing. Uh, Quinn Hughes, not a bad, not a bad defenseman. And when I say not bad, he he, he isn't Macar, but who is? Now I, I was talking to your uh, your producer, and I said something about Miller. Now that shootout goal, how many people could do that? He doesn't jump up and down like Kuzmenko does, but Kuzmenko is Kuzmenko. But frankly. That is what a power, remember I, what I said, power forward does. When he gets the puck, even in the, in the overtime, you can't get it. And he stands there, he figures it out. We haven't got a good team for right now. We need lots of pieces. But your listeners, if you look at Pedersen, Quinn Hughes, Thatcher Demko, Kuzmenko, and Miller, that's not bad to start with. We're not Boston, right. but uh, it's fun to watch. Getting closer. Yeah. Hey, Gary, great stuff as always. Thanks for calling in. We're up against the break here. Keep your thoughts coming into our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650-604-280-0650 or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. Canucks victors, 3-2 in a shootout in L.A. against the Kings, the first of a back-to-back tomorrow in Anaheim against the Ducks. We'll talk about that and more. Plus, we'll hear from Canucks players and the head coach post-game as the show goes on on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Now more of the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Join the discussion. Text us at 650-650 or call us at 604-280-0650. This is the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. And now it's JT Miller with a chance to win it for the Canucks. Ten shootout goals on 28 attempts in his career, and he cuts wide to the left wing, his patented move into the Kings zone. Miller back into the slot, waits, deeks to the backhand, he scores, and the Canucks win! They were outshot 40-17 to in the hockey game tonight, but they found a way, and they beat the Kings 3-2 in Los Angeles in the shootout. Canucks find a way to win in a shootout. Thatcher Demko stellar between the pipes. 
Shootout goals from Andre Kuzmenko and JT Miller. Some nice skill, like Gary mentioned, calling in on the phone boards. And this is the Canuck Central Post Game Show on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. Keep your thoughts coming in to our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. You can also grab a phone line, 604-280-0650 or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. Now, before we get to some post-game audio from head coach Rick Tockett and from Ethan Baer, and some more. Uh, let's take a look at the text inbox, 650-650. This one says, I think you guys are not giving the Canucks enough credit. They didn't uh, have enough offense, but I think they played a 60-minute all-around game. Thank Demko, all smiles, is one text coming in. For sure. like, Hey, you won a game, credit to you. you I'm, I'm sure part straight. of the game plan was park the bus. Yeah, I mean, to some, yes, it was, especially with the defense being what it is. I understand the like, game there plan. There was a moment, I think in the third period, when Matt uh, Roy got the puck. Yeah, it was in the third period, at the point, and nobody went out to pressure him. It was like an NBA moment when like Russell Westbrook's on the three-point. It's like, oh, don't worry about it. Let him shoot. And nobody went out to pressure him, and Roy just stood there like, what should I do? <laughs> yeah. And he started skating to the middle of the ice, but they laid off. There was a moment, I think, actually I think it was Roy as well, in, the, in his own zone. He's standing above... The circle, mm-hmm. waiting to break out, standing still, and no Canuck was in the offensive zone. They just oh yeah, there was there was like the, one guy at the chill. blue line, pretty much it. It was very, it was very. We know what it was almost. It was like after they played against the way they played against Arizona. Coach is like, this is how you're playing tonight. Yeah. I'm not. I don't care about you digging for pucks or you chasing pucks. You're staying in your structure, and I think that kind of was part of the game plan. Now we pragmatic, from, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, park the bus to some degree, right? And it's more about. What are you doing in terms of building towards something? Can you look at that game and say, is it building anything? Because that's what a lot of people are texting in. And, you know, Jane Poco says, guys, we can make 10th place. Who needs a high draft pick when we have this team? They will play this well next year too, right? Right? Because we've seen this before. That's Jay in Poco with some skepticism. Um, but I, I'd say one of the things I've seen people text, and I can't find a text, but it said, the frustrating part about this game is, yeah, sure, you won, but it wasn't even a build on what you're doing well type of game that you can say, hey, this is good for the culture, so to speak. You could always argue to say wins are always good for quote-unquote culture and finding ways to win and, and hanging in there. You can always find a positive spin for winning, but that seems to be one of the one of the reasons there's some frustration from the fan base saying and that's not even a, hey, these are good signs type of performance. Cool. Yeah. What about the camaraderie and the the building? Like, you know, that's like, the, that stuff would have mattered, Big, if we if that stuff would have translated the yeah, last couple of years. And 100%. I think that's why, to me, the camaraderie, just the good vibes, doesn't matter. That's why but, I need to see tangible improvements from how you're playing, consistency from how you're playing. That can be tangible, and that very much is still a work in progress. I, I think we get caught in this idea: it's like every game has to look a certain way, and if it if it deviates from that script. Then it's like, oh, it, it's it's a bad game. Like every game's not going to be this work of art, and I, I'm not trying to paint this as like, wow, what a game! It's going to build everything. But the the idea that like every game is supposed to look the same, and then we get to sit here and say, well, the expected goals are 54 percent. That's the team that should have won. These are all unscripted. We get 82 unscripted moments to to view this. Every game is not going to look the same, and tonight it's an ugly one, ugly, and it's definitely one that they should not win. I can't change the reality that they won this game. And so you look at this and you say, what do you try to extract out of this? Do you just say, like, do you think Rick Tocca goes in the room and is like, well, we got really lucky. 
Yeah, I mean, we got really lucky tonight, well, guys. He's not going to say that. Well, we'll see. You know what? We're going to get to him coming up in a second. Um, Your effort was terrible, but hey, two points on the board. You know, you know how much that wouldn't resonate. No, I understand. I mean, sure, we're not going to say that. But in terms of like how you're playing, I I think they play a lot better recently than this game, and they found a way to win this one. Let me just put it that yeah. way, right? Like that's just how I feel about this performance in terms of how they play. This one says, "What did you think of the penalty kill today? Much more structured." I mean. They had what two opportunities? Well, it was Drys and Joshua out there. Yeah, they did a good job. I mean, that was surprising. Was it was what one power play in this game for the Kings? One each. Uh, the the Kings? Kings had two. Uh, two. His Kyle Burrows right uh, took two penalties, and then it was the uh, Brisebois hooking on the penalty shot. Uh, on the so penalty they had shot. two power plays. And yeah. The Canucks did a better job tonight on the PK. They had a chance going the other way. Not a ton, but they were better than what they looked against the Arizona Coyotes the other night. For sure, on the on the PK. Oh, absolutely. They were more structured to the point that texture is making. All right, we'll get back to more of your comments. But we mentioned the Canucks head coach. Here is Rick talking after the Canucks find a way to win on the backs of Thatcher Demko being stellar between the pipes, three two in the shootout over the LA Kings. Yeah, I mean Demko was incredible tonight. I mean he kept us in the game first two periods. LA is a an impressive team. They defend really well, and uh, they were you know we didn't have an answer the first two periods. We we kind of played better in the third and, uh, you know, rope it open, you win the game. Those, those last 10 minutes, what do you think flipped the switch for you guys? Was there kind of a push to, to win it for Thatch after he had done so much there? I hope so. I mean, I just, I just, you know, we lost a lot of battles in the corners the first two periods. So um, I think a couple of guys addressed it in the third and um, a couple of guys led and then, uh, you know, kind of turned the table a little bit still, you know, the, a little disappointing the first two, you know, first two periods. You noted this morning that Arizona, the special teams lost the game. Special teams won it for you tonight. Yeah. To the, the extra. Yeah, I mean that the power play obviously was a big goal for us. Uh, some good kills. Uh, yeah, uh, we we had a couple of meetings on our special teams that really helped us. How about um, Quinn's game tonight? Obviously, a couple of tough plays where he took turnovers that lead to goals, but then he, he was a big part of that last <clears> ten minutes. Uh, yeah, I, I, I have no problem. Thing. I thought he was excellent tonight. I mean, the, the kid is. I mean, I've been here for six weeks. He's, he competes every night. Um, uh, really, uh, really happy with his play and his compete. Obviously, this group isn't where it wanted to be at the start of the year. Just, what do you like about the, the spirit they, they continue to show, especially in this last stretch, to win some games? Well, well we can't afford to just, um, you know, let's wait for next year. These are important games for us. You know, we're trying to build stuff around here. And we have guys who are trying to stay on the uh, NHL roster, so they got to show us that they want to play, they can play. So there's a lot for us to play for. And that is Canucks head coach Rick Tockett after a 3-2 shootout victory. He said kept, Demko kept us in it, played better in the third. Rope-a-dope game. Uh, and mentioned they lost a lot of battles, but liked how some of the leaders uh, led in the third period in that regard. But said he was a little disappointed in how they played the first two periods of this game. But it was also, you know... Is focusing in on some of the positives, but not a performance that even the head coach was going to be overly positive about because of how they play those first 40 minutes. And Demko's still part of your team, so you're never going to be too mad when a player, a part of your team, is the best player on the ice. And that's what the case was with Thatcher Demko tonight. 650, 650, uh, this one. Such selection bias. If Bruce had coached this game, you'd be slagging it big time. Point is, you should be questioning previous year's certainty in Rick's structure improvement. End of story. Well, here's the thing. 
we did question what was happening last year. We talked about it's like, hey, 40% of the games against backup goaltenders, it's and you were sustainable. You maxing play out on effort all of the yeah. time, and you finished 11th. Like, and there we sat little... here in last year's postgame yeah. show and talked about those same things. And as I mentioned, you did it with those 5D men of OEL who wasn't performing like a outside the mm-hmm. functional D-man. You had Tyler Myers. You had Luke Shen. You had Quinn Hughes. Mention all those players. Rick Tockett's doing this with Will Lannon. Breezebois, Burroughs, Juleson, scraping by. And and when we talk about that team, and even so, one of the things we mentioned was when you look under the hood and how they're getting there, everything is average about this team. They're getting stellar, stellar shooting percentage from the star players and stellar goaltending. That's why they're winning hockey games. When, when it comes to the process, their PK, how they're creating chances, limiting chances, it's not good enough. You play that way, you're not going to be successful. That was an issue last year. But there was more positivity because they won a lot of hockey games. They actually made a playoff push late. They got, what, 92 points on the season. They, they crested 90 points for the first time since 2014, 2015. So they had a positive end in terms of just overall wins and production. But they weren't playing good hockey. And that's one of the things you kind of talked about. They had to improve. And when you look at the structure, so to speak, that's happening right now, it's not perfect, right? A lot of things have to get better. And I don't like the performance. And we talked about this. Like, I did not like how they played tonight. I thought they got extremely lucky even being able to win this one here. But to the point we've been discussing, the way they're playing structurally is different to what they were playing before. There are tangible things you can look at and say, okay, you build on this next year. You can be or you can be a, a harder team to play against, a harder team to break down and ultimately beat as long as you're able to carry this stuff over until next season. If they were trying to open it up all night and they wound up with 17 shots on goal, that's very alarming, right? That That's trying to play something that you're not and say, hey, let's go be offensive and you, you get owned that way. They didn't really try to push the tempo tonight. Yeah. And that's clearly evident by the lack of power plays that they generated. One power play, uh, Mikey Anderson taking a penalty. And Elias Pettersson scores right away. So not a lot of chance to boost the shot total on the man advantage. But it's also because you're not earning your man advantage because you're not trying to push the tempo. They sat back for large stretches of this game. Oh, yeah, totally. And end up. And so, yeah, like was there a lot of the traditional structure that we've talked about of moving the puck out of the zone and trying to be linked up together to try to get to the offensive zone? No, there wasn't a lot of that. But – we're talking about more than just one thing yeah. when it comes to overall progress. Was the puck movement a problem tonight? Yes. Was their overall in-zone defense better given how much of the puck was in their zone? And just taking a look at the puck tracking data as we have access to that, uh, yeah, like 45% of the game was played in the Canucks zone. Yeah, so it wasn't that much of the game. It was a lot of time of well, the game, it's, it's comparatively the, it, speaking it's to... The, it's the zone with the, the most amount of puck... Uh, the, the most amount of uh, Vancouver time. Zone. Yeah, yeah, a lot of, lot of 15% zone time. was in the neutral zone and 39% was in the Kings zone. So 6% different in terms yeah. of zone time in the Vancouver end compared to where it was in the LA Kings end. But yeah, maybe in terms of in-zone defending, when they were in their own zone, it wasn't bad. The, the breakouts, the breakdowns that happened were in transition because each chance that happened was a breakaway or odd man chance and they happened in transition, which rotations weren't good enough. But in terms of actually defending in your own zone, to your point, for the most part, guys were in the right lanes, you know, occupying where they're supposed to be boxing out, not a lot of second chance opportunities. And those are some positive, especially later in the game when they won some battles. But yeah, not not the cleanest performance and from the Vancouver Canucks tonight. To talk its point, like one of the pro- one of the bigger issues tonight was probably losing some battles. 
Well, yeah, the first couple periods, mm-hmm. I mean, they just weren't getting pucks, and that's why they only had six shots on goal the first two periods. That's six shots on goal the first two periods. Mm-hmm. Six, six. They were on pace to be under ten, and somehow ended up getting to fourteen because they went to overtime. Right? I mean, uh, that's how this one uh, kind of unfolded here. Uh, keep your thoughts coming into the text inbox. We'll get to more of those as the show goes on here. Let's go to the phone board six zero four two eight zero zero six fifty, and we'll start things off uh, in Vancouver with Dave, uh, who's calling in. Oh, no, Bill in Vancouver. Sorry, Bill. What's going on, Bill? What you got for us tonight? Well, hey, guys. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm just amazed, though, like, when, you know, how every time they win a game, there seems to always be some type of negative connotation around. Well, they relied on Demko tonight. They were out shopping. This, is, this, is, this happens to a lot of teams, right? But what I think the focus should be now, since I've been, you know, I would say the last 10 games for sure, if not a little bit more than that, their structure, they've already, they're starting to create an identity as a team. They're hardworking. They, I don't know what the hits were today, but they out hit LA big time. They are definitely playing with more structure. And I think there's not enough credit given <clears throat> to the two co- uh, defensive coaches, Foot and Gonchar. Clearly this team has a system now that they're trying to, you know, uh, incorporate. It's going to take a bit more time, and you don't necessarily have all the players that you want. But I, I look at this team defensively. I think Wolanin is a huge upgrade from OEL. Myers, I don't think we missed him at all tonight. You know, and I think at the end of the day, I mean, I would love to know what their penalty kills been as a percentage. I'd say that maybe the last ten games, what it was, but it's got to be somewhat respectable. And uh, I just find that it's like this market, the fans, everybody just likes to focus, even the media like to focus and always uh, like just pick away at a win. This team's true. I mean, they're doing a lot of good things right. Like, let's not focus on the negatives. Hey, uh, thanks for the phone call. I mean, you you know, I'll I'll ask you one thing about Christian Willan and I mean, well, in general, just when we're talking about these defensemen, right? And I get it. They, they performed fairly well when, when they're doing what they're being asked to do. But tonight, Ethan Bayer played 23 minutes. Quinn Hughes played 27 minutes. What does that mean for the rest of the defensemen here tonight? Christian Willanen played 1803. Guillaume Breeze bought 1833. Noah Juleson tonight played 1955. Almost 20 minutes. Almost 20 minutes. None of these guys are getting ice time. And tonight, they had two NHL defensemen again. In in crisis moments, basically, of as far as bodies that are available. So when when people say these guys are playing better and the defense is better than what you had before, and a night like this, I don't think the defense was better. And you're not asking these guys to do a big load. Like if you're asking Christian Wolanin to play 22, 23 minutes a game, what does that look like? Same thing for asking guys like Guillaume Breezeball to do those things. This isn't also sustainable because Quinn Hughes is playing 27 minutes and 33 seconds tonight again. You can't have Quinn Hughes playing 27 minutes a game, right? So that's where some of the skepticism comes in. I understand Bill's overall point, though, in terms of they are doing doing a lot of good things. And we've, we've discussed a lot of the good things that they have done. Part of the reason why there's still that skepticism is you still lost a lot more than you've, you've won. And we've seen the team win some games down the stretch and not being able to carry it over, and that's always going to kind of exist there. But the overall structural improvements is something that gets discussed consistently. I mean, you and I joke about this during a pregame roundtable, that word structure gets uttered at least a handful of times in every single discussion on air in this market now by every single person talking. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's the most talked about single word in this market. 
improved structure. Some people say it's not, but th- it has been discussed quite a bit. And uh, to, to Bill's question, I wanted to know a couple of the stats. Uh, so the last 10 games, uh, the Canucks PK is 80.7, 80.7%, which is good for 14th overall. So again, some improvement there. They're, they're all overall um, net PK, if you include the shorthanded goals, puts them at 936 uh, so obviously shorthand goals should be factored in this, and so that puts them to second. Uh, so shorthanded goal variance can obviously change a lot. And as far as the hits tonight, uh, yes, Vancouver did lead the way with 32 to 17 in hits, but again, how much was the puck on LA stick uh, leading to opportunities to actually hit? Yeah, and, and that's the big thing here, right? Uh, and Dave in Vancouver says, good teams find ways to win. I hate that they're winning, but these are games that should build character. That's Dave in Vancouver texting in. Let's continue on the phone boards. Uh, let's go to Coquitlam where we have Scott on the line. Scott, thanks for calling in. What do you have for us tonight? Hey, guys. Uh, sorry to say that I did not catch the game tonight, but I did catch the news that Tyler Myers was benched. Uh, he wasn't benched. He was scratched because he was ill. Very scratched, yeah. Yes. Um, about frickin' time. The guy is a slug. He's the but slowest. But he was sick. Well, hey, hey, hang he, on, hang but, on. But he was sick. He wasn't healthy scratch. Like, you can stay on the line. You can finish your thought. But he wasn't held out of the lineup because he played poorly. Oh, well, that's sad because he should have been <laughs> scratched a long freaking time ago. Um, Fair enough. He is. He's the slowest player on the team. Whenever uh, easy goals happen, guess who's right there? Tyler Myers looking confused because he, he doesn't even seem to know how to play hockey sometimes. Uh, I don't know why this guy gets a pass all the time because he's a massive liability. He's the albatross around the neck of the Canucks. That's all I got to say. Hey, uh, thanks, thanks for the phone call. We get that all the time. Like, nobody talks about Tyler Myers. I, I feel like there's like um, like some dissonance here. Where, like, it's like some, Tyler Myers' name just doesn't get heard. You know how some you know how dog whistles we can't hear them. Like is Tyler Myers a dog whistle that humans can't hear? Because considering how much he's been discussed, it it baffles my mind that people. Still call and text in and say, why do people never talk about Tyler Myers? No, we talk about Tyler Myers. <laughs> for, for for the past four years, we have talked about Tyler Myers, I think, a great deal. Yeah. Uh, perhaps maybe there's some fatigue over it and it doesn't get mentioned as much. You know what? Maybe OEL is taking the charge Listen, and, and, and the the torch from him a bit more. So the, the thing about OEL and Myers, and, I, and I, this, this is what I agree with. If you're asking OEL and Myers in the future – best case to be third pair defenseman why not just pay a guy like Willan and 800k to do what he would do on a third pair playing 17 18 minutes a game i completely agree with that point but extrapolating these minutes to bigger minutes means something different and just because myers and oel would struggle in bigger minutes doesn't mean that these other guys would do a lot better than they would in those bigger minutes and ultimately if you're playing a better more structured game Myers has has had has had his ups and downs, even with the coaching change. Do we expect the same from OEL? Can those guys be markedly better in a better environment, or is that asking too much for those two individuals? We've seen it before. I, I want to say it's probably asking too much, because to what bar are we trying to cross? Well, I mean, to me, to the, play functional to play functional NHL hockey, okay, like sure. To me, the only reason they would be part of the equation next year is, one, there is no willingness to buy out OEL, mm-hmm. and you can't move them. 
and you can't move Myers yet. So you're forced to come into next season with both players on the roster. That remains a possibility. As much as we're sitting here and talking about these guys, they're trying to trade them, buy out, like we're, we're assuming a bunch of different things. There is a world, there is a door that has a decent probability that when you open it, you see Myers and OEL and Canuck sweaters next season. Like that possibility exists. Yeah. And I would say rather sizable part of the pie of probability exists with that outcome. And the other point, I was making this point on, on the people show as well. The the Canucks defense on game one next season will probably look a lot different than the Canucks defense on game 50. And I don't just mean because of injuries, but if you pay Tyler Myers the signing bonus of $5 million, is there going to be a certain demand for return on investment on that? And I'm not just saying like, He's got to perform like a Norris level or something like that. Do you just want a certain handful of minutes, a handful of games out of that to say, hey, look, if we're giving him $5 million and we're, we're trying to figure this all out, does, pay, does playing him for 50 games buy us some time, 50 games to put Philip Johansson in the AHL? Yeah. We get play him in all the situations there. You play 50 down there. When we move Myers, and I do think you'll be able to move him, retained for no money, no salary, basically. Someone will will take him on. And does that buy you the time to bring Philip Johansson then and say, hey, now you're taking over Tyler Myers' minutes? So the, how the defense looks in day one, probably going to be a bit different by game 50. Yeah, and that's going to be the other part of it. Until, I mean, the Canucks all have contracts on the books. They have to find ways to get rid of, and it may take longer than an offseason to get rid of a few of them. So that certainly remains a possibility. A lot of reaction on the text inbox. Coming up, Shorthouse, Tyler Myers. Never heard of him. Uh, Dean at Dean Abbotsford totally agree with Bill's comments about the Canucks defense playing okay. Well, Landon is playing better than OEL and Myers combined at 14 million. These guys playing their guts out. Glad they stuffed it up Drew Doughty's butt. That's Dean Abbotsford texting in. All right, uh, we will get to more of your phone calls. You got a phone line? Hold on to. We'll get to it on the other side. Keep your thoughts coming into our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, and we are going to hear from Ethan Bear. First game back after a gruesome injury, and he met with the media. We'll chat about his performance and what he had to say as the Canucks Central postgame show rolls on. Canucks victor- victorious 3-2 in a shootout over the Kings in L.A. right here on the home of your Canucks Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Back to more Canucks Central postgame show coverage. This is where you talk Canucks on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Right circle for Elias Pedersen with time shoots. He scores. Elias Pedersen off the post and in scores on the power play, and the Canucks tie the game at two. Elias Pedersen levels things for the Vancouver Canucks, and then they win it in a shootout. JT Miller and Andre Kuzmenko getting goals, and Thatcher Demko saving the two shots he faced from the LA Kings to help the Canucks win three-two in a shootout over. The Kings, and this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the home of your Canucks Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Uh, it is the final segment of the show coming up here tonight, so keep your thoughts coming into our Dunbar Lumber text inbox 650 650. You can also grab a phone line 604 280 0650. Now, uh, before we get to Ethan Bear and some more phone calls, big a very lively evening here on the text inbox 650 650. Yeah, Andy in Vancouver, if you say they can move Myers, you are saying the Canucks will be out of a playoff position again, which I agree with, but what does that say about what management is trying to do? I, I, I'm i operating on the idea that it wouldn't matter. Well, yes, and, and I think you can't 
it's not as simple as just looking at it like that way. If you can find a way to move Myers and get something of value back in return, it allows you to do something else. And I think this organization wouldn't look at it and be like, we got to hold on to all our chips just to make the postseason. It's about what can we do to make our team better in the future and perhaps strengthen things as we move forward here. And there's a world where if you get something of value from Myers, it helps you do other things. And what has this management team also shown? They get an asset, they'll flip that asset potentially. So it could be one of those moves where you see them move a guy out, get something back and use what they get back in the cap space they have from that move to potentially do other things. So just because it's a move that may happen in the season does not necessarily mean the Canucks are not going to be a playoff team, but of course they have the work, their work cut out for them for them to take that step next season anyways. Yeah. It's, they've kind of shown, I mean, Jason Dickinson move, not aside, they're not really that intending to go into deficit. Mm Mm-hmm. You move a surplus pick like the first round pick. Well, hey, look, I think that they should have waited till the offseason. They're not trying to move this other first round pick and go into deficit and say, well, now we have to catch up with our yeah. picks, right? Generally speaking, I do think that's going to be the approach or the attempt to do so. Uh, and so if if a move materializes, and that's why we're talking about, hey, Philip Johansson moves up or something like that next year, uh, and then you have Philip Ronick, I, I think they just look at it and say, $6 million for a D-man, we're going to be playing potentially in our third pair. Well, they won't, How do we move that money around differently? Well, just getting Philip Ronick already moves Tyler Myers down from being their number one right-hand yeah. defenseman. Even if you think guys like Bear are better... In terms of usage, the coach has always leaned on Myers over him. Right now, already you drop Myers down one peg and you get one more. All of a sudden, we're talking about a guy being a third-pair guy, right? And uh, it changes things pretty quickly. This text here says, Given the state of direction of management being that they are not rebuilding, these results are now a good thing. Sure, it's annoying that they will get a worse draft position. However, it would be a lot more concerning if the team had kept playing horribly even after Rick Tockett has been brought in and given time to implement his structure. We should be happy we're now... We're now perhaps on the way to seeing this team play to its full potential. Hashtag talk it like it's hot. So you have a bit of optimism as well with how the Canucks have been playing. Yeah, like I I do think the overall sentiment is right. Like I I think one thing we tend to do, fans, media, is build a reality and judging upon that reality rather than what they're actually trying to do. So I get the texture's point. Hey, they're doing the rebuild or the the retool on the fly, build brick by brick kind of yeah. thing. So, look, there's elements of truth to that. At the same time, uh, this is probably not the performance they're looking at and saying, like, hey, this is the thing we consistently have to try to do. Have 14 shots on goal, and that's the way. Like, this is not a performance everyone's looking at and saying, this is what the future of the Vancouver Canucks is going to look like. Yeah, no, and, and I think that's absolutely... Accurate. Brandon and Poco, uh, should the Canucks each receive a copy of a calendar just to remind them that the, the season actually starts in October and not in February? Jokes for 60. Not a bad one. Not a bad one. Uh, Jeff Rowe just jumped on. The Tankus must have knives out tonight. LOL. I hope I haven't missed jokes per 60. No. Uh, we, a few jokes per 60 have come in. You can always check it out on the podcast afterwards. But yeah, had a few jokes here on the postgame show already. Well, we'll read this one, Aaron and South Van. All right. Hey, boys, I got, I got a question for Drew Doughty. Are the Canucks still a team like that? 
That, that may have been directed for After Hours, uh, Aaron. Thanks for the text. But yeah. You can also tweet that at Scott Oak. Yeah, good call. That would have been a good question yeah. for, for Drew Doughty posting <laughs> after the Canucks beat the LA Kings yet again, uh, taking down the team higher in the standings by quite a margin. All right, uh, we'll get back to more of your text messages. We are going to get to Ethan Bear, but as promised, let's get to the phone boards really quickly here, and let's go to Vancouver where our friend Reynolds is on the line. Reynolds, thanks for calling back in. Uh, what you got for us tonight? Um, well, you know, it's good that the Canucks were to claw back to victory uh, 3-2. Um, but what does it all mean if they can't really make it into the postseason? Because basically, at this point, I need to be in the postseason. Uh, your thoughts? Yeah, thank you. Uh, they're not getting into the postseason. It's just uh, not happening. So, I mean, they can max out of, what, 93 points now? 93 points. Yeah. So if they win, how many games remaining? 14 after tonight? So if they win 14 more games, so that's 15 in a row they would have to win. If they win 15 in a row, they get to 93 points. And that may not be enough to get in anyway. So that is what would have to happen, which essentially means... No, Reynolds, it's not going to happen. But, like, what if Winnipeg just, like, keeps losing and then we're looking at that scenario where, like, the eighth seed, who's on, who's got 81 points right now with 12 games to go. So Winnipeg's going to win only, what, five Five games more games? To get to 91? Kind of doable. Not, wait, what? They got to they go with five banking wins? Stop saying. it. Stop. I'm just don't, saying. Don't do this again. Look. Don't do this again. They got Anaheim tomorrow. Anaheim's not very good. I feel like I feel like I'm going to go on like a Howard Dean rant right now. Stop! No, stop! Like, do you remember Howard Dean? Yes, I remember. Like the the old like, hey, we're gonna go here, the we're pro, gonna go pro, here. Like, and he got nothing. I think he was gonna run for presidency. Yeah, and he, he got like two percent of the vote. Yeah, <laughs> Josh, we have that. You clip? guys, you have already got the picture here. <laughs> I, I was about to say, you know, I, I'm sure there's some disappointed people here. You know what? You know something? You know something? If you had told us one year ago that we were going to come in third in Iowa, we would have given anything for that. And you know something? You know something? Not only are we going to New Hampshire, Tom Harkin, we're going to South Carolina and Oklahoma and Arizona and North Dakota and New Mexico. We're going to California and Texas and New York. And we're going to South Dakota and Oregon and Washington and Michigan. And then we're going to Washington, D.C. to take back the White House. So they got to win in LA, Sat. They're going to go to Anaheim. They're going to play Vegas. They're going to play San Jose. They're going to play Dallas. They're going to go to Chicago and St. Louis and Calgary and LA and Seattle and Chicago. I think I'm afraid of what just happened here. And and I think Bick actually believes it. You should see the passion in his face. Like he just conjured up. They got Anaheim and Arizona on the road at the end of the year. Get to 93 points. So, so Howard Dean came, what, like 85% short love, of his goal? I, I love how it starts. Like, if you told us we're going to finish in third, third place last year, we would have taken it. <laughs> now we're going to win. No, you're not. It didn't quite work out the way it did. But, I mean, that's essentially what it is. That, that's the type of uh, delusion you're going to have to have. Well, they played Calgary twice, so they can loop, <laughs> leapfrog stop, them. Stop. Just stop. Uh, no, but, no, I don't think they're going to the playoffs. <laughs> Probably not. Uh, not so on the backs of performances like tonight. Don't think it's happening. I just wanted to go, yeah! That's all. It's an all-time clip, man. That's an all-time Coming up, clip. Short House. You have that Howard Dean quote at the ready. That's producer of the year material. No, I mean that's why we call Josh Elliott Wolf the kid. I mean he's like the fixer. He's like the wolf, Mr. Wolf. Great reference. That's what he is.
Harvey Keitel back there. Yeah. Who's that again? Too funny. That is Howard Dean, former politician in the U.S. Yes. That's who, the uh, 2004 race, I believe. Something like that. It was 2000. Yeah. Something in the 2000s. I'm not I'm not quite up to uh, <laughs> up to stuff exactly on the year, but it's good. Uh, Kyle and East Van. Bick, that was perfect. It was well done. Uh, really well done. All right. Uh, we'll get to more of your text messages here, but we mentioned Ethan Bear made his return to the lineup after missing a bunch of games, after taking a shot to the face, uh, knocked out a few teeth, fractured in his face, but he showed up tonight, played over 23 minutes, and helped the Canucks win. And here he is post game. Um, yeah, obviously, like you know, they're in our zone a lot, and um, you know, the guys hung in there. Um, you know, we we buckled down defensively. Demko played great. Um, that always helps. Um, but you know what, we you know we find a way, found a way to you know grease one out, and um, you know it's not it's not easy to win in this league, so we'll take him whenever, however we can. Yeah, what about the play of Demko? How good he was this evening to give you that opportunity to, to get the two points? Oh, just coming back since he's been back from his injury, he's been great. Like, he's been giving the team a chance, and you know, that's all you can ask for. And, um, you know, it just gives you a lot of extra motivation, extra boost. And, um, you know, as a defenseman, like, you, whenever, you know, you, you give up an opportunity and he doesn't go in, like, you're able to move on to the next shift and gain some momentum back. So, um, you know, that's huge. And, you know, it's actually it's been a... Huge part of these wins lately. Lastly, how about yourself? How did you feel coming back into the lineup? Uh, first period was a little slow for me. Um, obviously, getting used to the speed and, and again was um, was the first, probably the most challenging part. Not so much cardio, um, just more of the thinking part of the game. And um, you know, once I got that first period under my belt, I think my game started to come back, and I felt really good going into the end of the game. Uh, that is Ethan Bear uh, post game feeling pretty good about being back in the lineup. Uh, short availability. This text here says, uh, "Bick, did C Mac tell you that they have a chance at making the playoffs?" No, C Mac was too busy asking questions post game. <laughs> facts only. Facts yeah. only. Uh, Jimmy and Kelowna. I think that was my favorite Bick moment of all time. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Dan says, we thought maybe top five pick, but if you told us we were getting a top 10 pick last year, we would have taken it. But why top 10? Top 15 or later? Forget the tank. Who needs Bedard? Yeah! Yes, that one's from Dan coming at 6.50, 6.50. Justin the Coots, please ask Vic how often he practices this Howard Dean in the mirror. That was disturbingly bang on. Me have practices once or twice. Uh, it's unfortunately living rent-free in my head since 2004. So yeah, it's just running on a recurring loop, basically. Oh, fantastic, fantastic. Definitely a hit in our text inbox. <laughs> six fifty, six fifty. Um, yeah, I mean, and I and I get it, right? Because people are saying, "Hey, if they're winning," and Reynolds was texting. I mean, Reynolds called in and he said, "To me, this has to end in a playoff appearance." And it's like, "What has to happen for them to make the playoffs?" And it's like, "Well, the math indicates you got to win out to get the ninety-three points." So that's what the genesis of it was tonight, uh, mm-hmm. for how uh, it, it occurred the way it occurred. And the Canucks, well, they found a way to win this one. 3-2 in a shootout over the LA Kings. And tomorrow they have the Anaheim Ducks. And, you know, that's a Ducks team that, let's just say, is not very good. But recently they've been a little pesky too. So, I'm not, you know, we, we mentioned Arizona. A lot of teams on the bottom end of the, of the standings right now are pretty pesky. Uh, Anaheim's 5-2-3 in their last 10. Uh, Arizona six two and two. Canucks obviously seven three. Uh, you know the, the, there's some teams. Chicago uh, no three six and one, but they just lost today. Um, looking at the out of town scoreboard tonight too. Uh, the 
one game, uh, did the Coyotes beat the Blackhawks? So that was a game that needed to go your way. Obviously, you're going to get two points. Coyotes uh, keep pace with Vancouver, sixty-five points. St. Louis is at sixty-five points. They're four, five, and one in the last ten. And Canucks also at sixty-five points. So uh, yes, Canucks got two points. Uh, Arizona and St. Louis also pick up points too. So there we go. So keeping pace, keeping pace at this point. Uh, they may may not have a chance of making the playoffs, but they have a chance of finishing 11th from the bottom and out of the lottery altogether is what one text says. Now, if you finish 11th, you could still get the first pick because mm-hmm. you can move up 10 spots. So 11th is a cutoff. Six points uh, back of that stretch right now, yeah. which is uh, the Ottawa native pick. Yes. So you, you want to finish 12th. Which that... is currently owned by yeah. Arizona. Hey, listen, you'd rather obviously get the better odds and higher pick and everything. The pick you don't want at all costs is 12, because that gives you zero chance of winning the first pick. You could finish second or third. You could win one of those picks potentially. You can move up those spots, but you can't win the first pick. So that's where it's at in terms of trying to get that draft lottery luck. Now, you know, on Ethan Berbick, we heard him kind of chat, and we were talking about, hey, the, the ice time tonight. And, and at the very least, it's clear that he's a guy who's now played, what, 237 NHL games. He does have a real baseline of competency, and the coaches liked a lot of what he's seen. He played a lot of minutes tonight. I think it was a bit of up and down. Uh, I had uh, MB on t- uh, uh, on text uh, on Twitter respond and say, hey, you were right about Ethan Bear and his processing. And, and I think yeah, we talk about his decision-making has to improve. I think it's tough to be overly critical for a guy whose first game coming back, wearing yeah. a full shield as well. I thought he did okay, but the big questions with Ethan Bear are the same things. Can he be reliable enough to handle playing big minutes consistently? Of course. And but, but here's a conversation we're having as well to pair it with Tyler Myers earlier. Like, Do they have some of the same flaws? Yeah. Would you rather have the flaws at $2 million or at $6 million? And that's the thing. It's The flaws are real, and they impede regular NHL play. But having it at $1.8 million and whatever it looks like next year as well, does it change the conversation of what you're able to do elsewhere in the roster? And and, and that's where that conversation about value always comes in. Like I, I can live with Ethan Bear at one point eight if you're spending the the extra four point two million dollars elsewhere. But with that inefficiency on the roster, it, it, it hampers it. But if you get a regular a, a more consistent defender next to Ethan Bear, he's clearly NHL standard. Oh yeah. It's just again, identifying what he's best at. And how consistent are you at that? In the defensive zone, he struggles. But at one point eight million, like that's that's what's gonna happen. Yeah. Well, it is, right? There's gonna be some issues, but you feel fine. Like I'm completely like one of the things about Ethan Bear that I like is I feel confident having him on my roster. I feel confident him being on my third pair, play up the lineup when need be. If he's your third pair defenseman and you're paying him two million or so, a little bit less potentially, if if that's what the range and that's the role you're asking from him, I think it's all fine. If you're asking him to play a bigger role and you're paying him more money, that's where I have my questions. But yeah, in terms of team building, far better to have Ethan Bear be a guy that's on your third pair, moves up and down, than paying as much money as you are for a guy like Tyler Myers. And even if Bear can't do the things that Myers can do in terms of what they're being asked of from the coaching staff perspective, it's not that far off. And you'd you'd happily take the $4 million swing in salary. They're very similar players in that regard obviously height Tyler Myers dominates and, and we chooses to exert that physical presence yeah he can play like he did against Toronto but by and large their strengths are very similar make the first pass 
skate the puck out. They both have that capability. But overall, I think I think Myers' ability to play on the PK, even if it's not effective, does have a little bit of separation. It's just not worth the price point of what we're talking about. Yeah, I mean, Myers for the season has played significantly more on the PK than uh, Ethan Bear has. I mean, he leads all Canucks by a wide margin, 123 minutes on the PK this year. Tyler, sorry, these are the past 60 games because I'm going back to when Ethan Bear came into the lineup. So 59 games. Tyler Myers has 123 minutes, which is 25 minutes more than the second leading player on the PK. And guess who's, if I had to, okay, guess, who is this, who's number two in PK minutes the past 60 games? OEL? Nope. No. Riley Stillman? Nope. <laughs> Elias Pettersson. Oh, I, I honestly oh, no, defenseman. Sorry, I'm in general. Demon. Yeah. Well, Demon number two is Luke Shen, 89 minutes. Number three is Ethan Bear, 84. Okay. So Ethan Bear plays. He's played a significant amount on the on the PK, and especially under uh, Rick Tockett, he has played a lot more. But it's crazy. How Elias Pettersson is actually yeah. ice time. Like he's number two. No forward has more hmm. time on the PK this year than Elias Pettersson. A pretty astounding stat there. Just looking at it. But usage wise, that's the thing. I don't think you're you're losing much. From one to the other in terms of overall value. That's why I'm completely fine with, you know, making that type of swap long term. But Ethan Barry's game, I thought it was overall fine considering what he's coming back from and what he was being asked to do tonight. Again, he he needed to play a, a huge amount of minutes and live it up to that standard. And tonight, work your way back, plus one, uh, throw a couple of hits. Yeah, I think he had four block shots as well, uh, which is a, yeah, four block shots for Ethan Bear tonight, uh, leading the team tonight. Uh, in block shots, so good return to the lineup for Ethan Bear. And we talk pregame, okay, which one of these players is going to be able to sustain uh, a certain level of performance if their minutes increase? Uh, Ethan Bear is the one that shines through, just under 24 minutes. Kyle Burroughs is at 17.44, Noah Juleson at uh, 19.55, uh, Christian Wallanen at 18 minutes, and then Guillaume Breezebaugh at 18 minutes, and it was Bear uh, it was probably the best of the bunch. Yeah, he, he was. And, and it is pretty uh, pretty interesting looking at all those things there, too. And you know what? I, I'm just looking at these. Bear with me here for a second. I just find these PK numbers for the season pretty fascinating here because I'm just I'm digging through it, looking at uh, what's going on with Tyler Myers. Real-time stat TR Shaw yeah, breaking out here. Real, uh, real-time stat breakdowns. But what I think is interesting is looking at, because we talk about, okay, who's really good on the PK, who really struggles on the PK. If you look at Ethan, uh, Ethan Bear's play, on the PK, per 60 minutes, his goals against 15.68, which is second worst on the team. Tyler Myers, 12.63, which is eighth on the team. Eighth worst, but still, I mean, significant difference. So if you're actually looking at PK roles, Myers gets a lot of criticism, right? But his actual goals against rate is better than Horvat, Mikheyev, Luke Shen, JT Miller, Oliver ekman Larson, Ethan Bear, and Curtis Lazar. From defenseman, Ethan Bear... OEL and Luke Shen, those three guys had a higher goal against rate per 60 minutes than Tyler Myers does. So as much as Myers struggles, when people wonder why is Myers still playing PK, why does he keep getting out? Why does the coach still trust him? Because he's not the worst of the bunch. He has games where he's horrible and it's like three against and it looks really bad. But if you look at it consistently, there are other guys that are just worse than he is. So these are the types of things you look into a bit more and you realize sometimes, okay, that's probably why. You see the coaches still go back to him. That's why he gets the most ice time because even Luke Shen and, and even those other guys, 
were worse on the PK results wise than OEL's been. And, and the PK and, has sorry, to improve. Myers, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's and not to say Myers has been it's, good. It's, 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 it's a uh, multi. Yes. Or, I multi year. It's a off season project that has to be addressed. And right now, you still have to play those minutes somehow. But Tyler Myers is better at it than others that are on the roster. Yeah. And so he's just going to get those minutes. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think a guy that acts actually been pretty good on the PK and goals against per 60 is Quinn Hughes. 8.19. Well, 8. That's where just winning a battle matters so much for Quinn Hughes. Just getting pucks. If you if Quinn Hughes wins a battle on the PK, pucks, pucks out. out of the zone. Exactly. And Every like, single time. And even if he can't win as many, but if he wins when he gets the puck out, it's kind of looking at it as there are guys that win a lot of battles but can't do anything with the puck once they get it. Yes. If a guy wins fewer battles but does more with the puck when he gets it, what, what does that mean? That means the end result is more wins because you get the puck out more no matter what. Ultimately, how you win in hockey it can look different, but as long as you win more consistently, that's what matters, and that's where kind of you're seeing it. I mean, even Elias Patterson, it's not just that Elias Patterson has been incredible scoring. His goals against are 9.38, which is also very solid. And the goals for per 60, it's it's pretty ri- ridiculous. Elias Patterson, 4.96 goals per 60, 4 on the PK. And you see it leading the league in shorthanded points. Uh, getting a lot of time on the PK, also being very deadly Surprise, on the PK. surprise. Yeah. I, for one, am shocked yeah. to see this differential. But it just kind of shows you... So we barely talked about his power play goal today, too. I mean, I don't, I don't think he was very good tonight outside of scoring that goal, right? Like, I thought... Not that he was bad. I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't notice much from Patterson tonight outside of scoring that goal in the third period. Yeah, he had the deke in the neutral, neutral zone, zone, but yeah, yeah, I mean, that's really about it. Yeah, and in overtime, he had a couple of chances, and he started... Well, he had the chance behind the net, actually, sorry, where he in stopped OT, in OT, but that's OT. In OT, a lot of players were more space. starting to skate and get after it, but yes, it's because there's a lot more space. But for the first 60 minutes, yeah, by and large, you didn't really notice Pedersen. Again, the first period kind of dangles to, to get Kuzmenko in, but that was really about it before the goal. Yeah, no, it really was, right? And I'd say overall with um, even Kuzmenko's game, he had a great chance. I thought he had a couple of moments. The Canucks just didn't generate a ton at evens tonight. Like when we start looking at uh, standout players, Quinn had a good game. We talk about goaltending, of course. but Well, Quinn had a struggling first period, though, too. Like whiffed on a lot of passes. Yes. Whiffed on the shot attempt that led to the goal. He got better, obviously, as the game went along, but he he really had to come from uh, depth to improve his game because the first period he really struggled. Yeah, no, absolutely, right? And I think that's the the side of it there in terms of how the Canucks have been playing these games where there's some struggles, obviously. Demko's the guy that played hard, but you can look at the overall team game and say even though they gave up chances, they weren't as permissive as it they've was, been in the past considering the level of difference in the roster is going head-to-head. It, it was to what Ethan Bear was saying. They greased one out, right? That's what this one. It was a greasy win. Very greasy win. And, and as you said, it's not easy to win in this league. Demko does what he does. And there's a lot of players tonight that the overall evaluation would be, yeah, struggled. A couple of moments. Did what you could in, in maybe key moments in the game. But by and large, like, struggled. And ultimately, they come out with two points somehow. Mainly because of Thatcher Demko. But hung in there, but generally speaking, this is not a performance that they're going to review and say, hey, remember that time we beat LA on March 18th? Next year, this game is going to be forgotten as well it should be, 
and they march on to tomorrow's game. Yeah, tomorrow is the Vancouver Canucks against the Anaheim Ducks. Two teams near the bottom of the standings, but two teams that are playing some better hockey here as of late. All right, this brings us to the end of the postgame show. Thanks, everybody, for listening and being part of it tonight. We'll be back at it again tomorrow for the pregame show coming up at 5, postgame coming up afterwards. Satyar Shah with Bik Nazar. And thanks to Josh Elliott Wolf and all of you for listening here on the broadcast this evening on Sportsnet 650. In St. Louis, in Calgary, in LA, in Seattle, Chicago. Yeah! 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 I just wanted to go, yeah!